Hello, and welcome to the first ever edition of We Ate All the Pies, a Premier League podcast made by Americans who are just all about English football. Um, as this is the first episode, you may hear it, you may not. It depends on how good it sounds as to whether or not I'll put it in the system. However, um, I do think that eventually people will start to enjoy this, at least I hope that. Uh, my name is Adam Troxtel. Um just real quick about me, I'm a communications professional. That's as much as I'm going to talk about my real job. Um, been a Premier League fan for, I don't know, 16 years? Does that sound right? Yeah, that does sound right. Uh, I'm Jordan. Uh, yeah, the voice that you heard from the, the voice you heard from the void was, is, uh, is Jordan. Hi, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I happen to be Adam's cousin. I am also an American who embarked on a uh, uh, Premier League journey about a decade ago. Now, as a more, more blue-collar guy myself, uh, <laughs> I you know had more humble you know aspirations, and I chose Newcastle United. All right, we'll get so, into that. We'll get into that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll definitely get. It. In fact, I'll I'll cue you up because that's, that is going to be the first part of the podcast here, but. Um, but just real quick, just just for some explanation for anybody who happened to stumble across this, first of all, I apologize. Second of all, um, I think my idea for this podcast was, number one, we're just kind of coming out of a pandemic. We've been a year without football. It's been really, really hard. Um, well, a year without football with fans in the stands, because that's what I, I count. The, what we've been seeing is sort of, I don't know, this this – what I imagine might happen if, like, a nebula, if you were to pass through a nebula, like, you might see things, but nothing's, no, nothing's real. You know, it's all just sort of forming together, and, and it's not uh, it's not all together yet. But So we're just getting fans back. We've been a year without fans. It's been really, really tough. And I just thought, what the hell? I've got the equipment. Let's do a show, um, and let's just celebrate this, this wonderful game, um, and let's celebrate where I think the best football is played, which is England. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, that's, that's pretty much it. So I think it's going to be, what would you say? Maybe about 90% Premier League. Would you say Jordan? Yeah. 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 We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll, and- we'll get down. We'll go down into the league one and league two sometimes when it, when it suits us. Or up North. Above the above Hadrian's Wall, we could yes, yeah, yeah, a little bit of Scottish football. Don't mind that at all. Um, um, the, the Welsh can stay over there, but um, no, <laughs> um, no, we'll you know we'll we'll cover all the aisles and we'll go into Europe a little bit as is, as you'll hear on the show today. But for the most part, we're staying in England. We're staying with the Premier League um, because that's that's kind of what we know best. It's what we watch all the time, and hands down to me, best league in the world. Um, so without further ado, just to kind of, to catch you up on, on who we are and who you're listening to, not that it, not that it may matter a whole lot, but Jordan, tell us, tell us how you got here as a football fan summarized. So we don't need to know like the first match you ever watched, but you know, how did you get to this point? And you can end it by, uh, uh, telling us your favorite snack to eat at the football. Okay, so in summary, 2011, I seen my cousin having fun, going to bars, That's doing me. a little day drinking, um, 
And I decided to jump in head first. And being a simple man, beer loving man myself, I chose the club who at one time was sponsored by my favorite foreign beer, which is Newcastle Brown Ale. Unfortunately for me, it has been a roller coaster of ecstatic highs and horrible lows under the ownership of Mike Ashley. Uh, I want to tell him to F right off, <laughs> but he never will. Uh, and so my favorite snack at the bar, watching the match, it's got to be a scotch egg. Oh, good choice. That's a great choice. And an Irish coffee. Oh yeah, you gotta have you gotta have the Irish coffee with it. Um, that's that's a really good choice. So what? I mean, but give us you you given us some doom and gloom here. What what keeps you a Newcastle fan? The eternal hope that my club can actually do better. Uh, like I said, jumped in the season of two thousand eleven two thousand twelve. So I jumped in right on that roller coaster of Hatim Ben Arfa, Poppy's Dimbasise. My heterosexual man crush, Johan Kabai. <laughs> I'm he's, a hands- about, he's a handsome man. I'm talking about the the 60-yard run at Bolton, the 2-0 yeah. win over Chelsea with that amazing goal. Oh, yeah. And then... If, if, by the way, it, just for those who haven't seen, just look that look up that that that, that Cissé goal. I mean, I think it was goal of the season in 20, was it 2012. Yes. Oh, it's just it's phenomenal. It defies it defies the laws of physics. I mean, you can't. No one will ever do that again. And I remember uh, a quarterfinal leg to uh, away to Benfica and almost qualifying for the uh, Europa League semifinals. I completely forgot I've about that. Through, too. <laughs> uh, been through one relegation already. Uh, one promotion. Uh, been through hopefully, the Allen Party hopefully, roller coaster. Hopefully, not another one. <laughs> I think we'll skin, We'll get by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. Uh, rode the Allen Party roller coaster into John Carver. God forbid. <laughs> then the Steve McLaren disaster. Then that bright ray of sunshine. Uh, sunshine, Rafa Benitez. I miss you, Rafa. Come home. Yeah, everybody does. Uh, and now uh, I live with the mediocrity of Steve Bruce. Yeah, but. Uh, uh... As, okay, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but yeah. So, okay, good. Well, that's 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 a good uh, that's a good summary of Jordan's fa- fandom, and, and we'll get into we'll get into more. I there is definitely one thing I want to do a lot on this podcast, and that is nostalgia. Um, and we both we both enjoy um, some English football nostalgia, even from the time before you know we were really super into it, or we were really you know. Uh, you know, really understood exactly how deep and rich the history of English football is. Um, so for me, just real quick, I'm a Manchester United fan. I know I can hear your your eyes rolling from there, but um, no, I uh, just to make everybody who did roll their eyes feel bad. Um, the reason that I am a United fan is because there was a guy who um, was visiting my neighbor. Well, he wasn't visiting my neighborhood. He was. He was a is a foreign exchange student who my friend's family had over. He's from Azerbaijan, and he brought over with him a bunch of these like bubblegum cards. You know how like they did the baseball cards, um, you know, so sort of like Are that. Are we talking Panini? Uh, I don't know. 
again, I was too young to to really understand that. You know, this is this is small town Texas, right? Like this is this is Luella, Texas, middle of nowhere. Um, you know, uh, life that we're talking. So I I my knowledge at that point was very limited. But there was somebody who I did know, which was David Beckham. And of course, at the time, he was playing for Manchester United, and the this guy who was visiting from Azerbaijan gave me that card, probably because he had a million of them. But it just it meant a lot to me, and I was like, oh, I, I know this. I you could you could make out his name, um, and I have no idea what they what they write in or speak in, in in Azerbaijan, but it was in that language, and but you could tell it was it was David Beckham, and and so no disrespect to the Azerbaijan. No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, um, he, he spoke English probably better than most of us. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the beginning. I got curious. I learned about the team. Um, I had FIFA 2003, which, um, that was one of the earlier versions of the game where, (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, the, the EA Sports FIFA, you could either play as nations or these random like computer generated city teams. They didn't have leagues. There was no, you know, there was no Premier League on there. There was no Serie A. It was just randomly here's some eleven guys play football. Um, that was it. And was this before they got the licensing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could play as nations, which a lot of people would do, but. Um, you, you on on this particular ver- uh, what the particular version that I had you could play as as just these random generated teams and and it, it was it was a weird time we'll have to do an entire podcast on on American football fandom and and just kind of go into it but 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 just just real quick uh, so FIFA 2003 played with Manchester United learned all the players learned the team names really got into it and since I would say about 2004 I've been watching the Premier League religiously. Um, you know, it sort of replaced Saturday morning cartoons for me. And so, yeah, that's 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 kind of where where I am. We'll get to more about, um, you know, what it's what it's been recently, um, given the recent announcements and what's happened last week. Basically, there's a lot that we could talk about on this podcast for our first ever one. Uh, we'll try and keep it short. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been fantastic. Yes, we've had some championships, but you know what? Sir Alex Ferguson retired in 2013. I've stuck with him, stuck with him through Moyes, through Van Hall, through Mourinho, through, um, and now, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who I think is doing a, a very fine job. Um, and yeah, just, it's incredible. Loved Wayne Rooney. Thought he was just amazing. Wanted to, to sort of mirror him as a player. As a, as a as a youth player, uh, and then uh, I would Adam. say my my favorite snack at the football. It kind of depends if it's at the pub. Probably fish and chips. Um, if it's actually at a game, because we're both FC Dallas fans, we won't talk about that a lot in the pub. But we're we're both FC Dallas fans. I love those little roasted nuts that come from the stand that's there in the stadium. They're just oh, they're they're with the cinnamon. Yes. They're amazing. Yes. They really need to promote those more. If you do go to an FC Dallas game, if you're in the Dallas area and you do go, you have to get those little roasted nuts. They are absolutely delicious. It's a fantastic halftime snack. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of me. 
you you were asking you, did you have a question you seemed like your hand yeah was i was going to say i was going to say uh, it didn't hurt that Wayne Rooney also repped the same haircut you had as a high schooler the 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 hair that's the, the hair that's kind of there not really just the 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 English uh, uh, male pattern baldness, if you will. Okay, you didn't have to bring <laughs> that up. You don't have to. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm losing my hair. It's it's growing. It's so it's growing. To, it's growing on my face now. Um, but yeah. So um, so that's that's kind of where we are. Uh, we've been to a lot. We've been to the pub, watched a lot of matches together. We talk about this stuff a lot, and I just figured. This is uh, this is great for a podcast. So we're about fifteen, oh, maybe less than that. I can edit it down, but we're we're, we're we are definitely ten minutes into this. So I think we should uh, we should hop on to the first topic of this week, and you won't believe what it is: um, the Super League. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who talks about that? All right. I, so all to the Super League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All three days of it. Well, so th- this is my first. This is the first note that I made about this. It's been it's been a roller coaster week, and if you've been under a rock, just to quickly summarize, twelve of the biggest teams in Europe decided they were going to break away and form a super league. They wanted to be in the super league and also play in the domestic leagues. So essentially, the super league would replace the Champions League. The domestic leagues, who had not been consulted, said no. Um, the British government got involved, kinda, um, and then. Uh, one by one, as fans started to protest, and those protests continued throughout the week, uh, these clubs started to say, oh, well, maybe we don't want to go in a Super League. So all the English clubs backed out. Atletico Madrid backed out. Hold on, I'm going to test my memory here. Okay. The teams that were in the Super League. This is not, by the way, this is live and this is not in front of me, so I don't know. The teams that, that were in the Super League, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, the two men. Let me. <laughs> the two. I got it. I got it. The two Manchester's City and United, Liverpool. Okay, so there's the six. Um. Le, yeah, that's six. Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then the two Milan's, Inter Milan and AC Milan, and Juventus, and. All but Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus have backed out of this, essentially, um, and did so quite quickly. However, this this isn't over. It's not over, and I don't mean from the perspective of, like, they're going to bring this up again, because they most definitely are. But just today, or last night, um, the Real Madrid president, Florentino Perez, basically came out and said, well, they can't leave because they've signed binding contracts. Now, as we've learned over the past week, Florentino Perez is, by all intents and purposes, a complete idiot um, and has absolutely – well, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's just got a bad idea. He's just got a bad way of communicating about it. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, this this isn't over, and I could definitely see Perez or the remaining clubs or whoever – decides to step out and do this. I could definitely see this going to court because if there are documents or whatever where the clubs have signed or whoever has signed, the ownership, the the general managers, whoever, to play in this league and they quote-unquote back out, 
I, I don't care whether or not that was that you you don't think it was you think it was binding or non-binding. If your name is on the dotted line, that's going to matter. So uh, I, I don't think it's over. And one thing I, I also think it's, it's showed is that it's very clear that this attempt to form this league has divided football among those who are quote unquote football people and those who are not. The fans are against it. The managers are against it. The players are against it. Everybody hates this idea, except for the people who aren't actually in the game, other than to write the checks and count the checks. That's where the division is in this. It's not about what's what's best for football or the way that football should move forward. It is a game against the people who are about football, who know the game, who understand the game, who understand the pyramid, and those who simply bought into it and just kind of want to play with it. And that's it. Um, but, uh, and, and Jordan, you've got a really good, I think you've got a good handle on, on this next bit, and I'll set you up for it. Basically, I think there are two things that have driven this. Number one is foreign ownership. They find themselves in kind of a unique financial situation. Some of it has to do with coronavirus. Some of it doesn't have to do with coronavirus. And some of it has to do with just being having an opportunity to do something with the Champions League ending and having these financial issues with coronavirus. And number two, I think we can agree, the failed finances of Spain's biggest clubs. And you've kind of got a handle on that. So kind of explain what's going on in a nutshell in Spain right now that might be driving the Super League. Okay. So to understand this, you kind of have to go back in time a little bit. Prior to 2018, 2019, uh, Spain's international TV rights were sold off individually per club. Uh, In 2015, a royal decree law was set out that uh, basically collectivized those rights. Sounds so badass, a royal decree law. Sorry, go on. Yes. (laughs) So Real Madrid and Barcelona could no longer set their own prices. And the uh, earning gap went from a 12 to 1, where those two top teams would earn $12 to every $1 for teams uh, lower, in the, uh, lower in the division, to about 7, th- seven 3, and 1. Uh, as of 2018-2019, Real Madrid and Barcelona still cleared about $170 million dollars just from international TV rights alone. So <clears throat> with along with Atletico Madrid, they those three clubs averaged about 30% of the total TV package straight to their pockets. Uh, the problems arose for Barcelona and Real Madrid after those heady times of the trebles and La Decima and as uh, they kept spending outrageous sums on players. Eden uh, Hazard. Three, <laughs> Eden Hazard. I was going to say three for Barcelona in particular. Dembele at $175 million. That was a lot. Uh, Coutinho at $193 million. Yep. And Griezmann from a league rival at 145 So as the TV revenue... Is that dollars, is that dollars or euros? That's dollars. Okay. Yeah, that's dollars. Sorry. Keep it in America. Thank um, you. Go on. Yeah, as uh, as the TV TV revenue uh, percentage stayed flat uh, against the other teams in the league, and as their TV revenue did not increase 
uh, at the same percentage that the Premier League does. The Premier League is worth uh, probably seven to eight billion American dollars. I think that sounds right. Yes. Uh, so they they are running into problems where they're playing a quarter of a million dollars, a uh, 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 quarter of a billion dollars for players, and they were not generating that revenue back. Hmm. Uh, as of right now, Barcelona has a net debt of 590 million U.S. dollars. Wow. With their gross debt, 1.2 billion. So with all of their cash considerations in hand, they're still left with almost a 600 million dollar bill at the end of 20 at the end of 2020. Real Madrid is in a little bit of a better shape. Hmm. Uh, 429 million net debt uh, with about not with about a billion dollars in gross debt but some of that net debt went towards the renovations of the Bernabeu so as they continue to you know be in the uh, participate in the arms race against the English clubs the German clubs and yeah. the French clubs they are way out spending their way out spending their paycheck. Uh, it got so bad for Barcelona that they had to reduce their wage bill just to get under financial uh, F, financial fair play rules from $811 million to $419 million in one year. Hold on. We're talking the, the, the limp noodle financial fair play, the as long as you have enough money, you can get out of anything financial fair play rules. And even Real Madrid was running into trouble with that? That was Barcelona. Oh, sorry, Barcelona. My bad. I, <laughs> yes. Either way, I don't care who, which, which one, whatever side of El Clasico it was, Barcelona is still running into that. That's amazing to me that they still felt uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't get out of that. Uh, and also <laughs> at the same time, there was a complete uh, power struggle at the top of their board. This is still Which Barcelona, right? To, yeah, this is still Barcelona. Um, I just know that one club president spent a million dollars of club funds to a out-of-country IT company so they could uh, harass people like Eric Abidal and uh, uh, players on social media oh, for speaking out of club presidents. I remember this. Right, so... And, and just to kind of emphasize and, and summarize, so basically, and, and by the way, before all these changes went into place that divided the revenue more evenly, clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid could essentially negotiate their own TV rights deals, which is what kept them so far ahead of the rest of the competition in La Liga. And they still, inarguably, they still are. I mean, if you look at the table, it's still Atletico, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. They're all still up there. And yeah. Something like that does create uh, the 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 spectacle that is El Clasico, you know. However, when you get to a point where you're like, "Huh, this is a little imbalanced. Maybe we need to make this right," and you've been living off of that inequity for so long, yeah, it's going to have a negative effect. Of course, it is, because suddenly you're, you're, the margins you're working on are, are worse. I know I don't want to get too far into this, but basically. Yeah, earlier in this whole Super League saga, when Florentino Perez came out and did that TV interview that everybody's now made into memes and stuff like that, um, one of the things he said that, that he mentioned is that, you know, 
they don't people don't want to watch boring games. And he's he's talking in generalities, making it seem like everybody this this is everybody in the world of football. But what I really think he's saying is that people don't want to watch Real Madrid whip around Ibar every week. Or Real Sociedad. Or Real Sociedad, or Deportivo La Coruña, or um, Granada. I can't, can't really say Granada. They've actually done quite well lately. But but these these smaller teams, I think that what he means is, is people don't want to watch that, so they're not going to pay as much to watch that happen because they know what the result is going to be. And now he's complaining that it's so unequal, nobody wants to watch it, even though he's behind why it was so unequal in the first place. So now he wants everybody to pay up and and to sort of flaunt all of the... And by the way, he's not alone. And we'll, we'll talk about this later, but he's, he's not alone in this. But essentially, this is at the point where it's, it's sort of just being held hostage by Florentino Perez, who... Simply just wants a payday. That's all he wants. It's all, it's, and unfortunately for him, it's all he needs. What do you think? I mean, do you think this is? I, I think this is going to continue. I don't think this is anywhere near over. What do you? I mean, what do you see as the future of of the Super League right now? Well, are we talking about the Turkish Super League? Which one? <laughs> no, uh, no, Super no Super League Rugby, which is no. Um, go Salford. Uh, uh, no, um, no. I mean, what do, do you see? I mean, do you think this we're going to be dragged back into this? Do you think it's dead and buried? Like, what are your thoughts on on what's going to happen to the Super League now in the next? And I'll explain it in like two and a half minutes. It's nowhere near dead. Uh, with the financial backing of J.P. Morgan at four point nine billion dollars, and each team receiving an initial investment. Uh, 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 influx of $300 million. The money's there. This thing is not going to die. Uh, if it's held up in court, maybe, you know, the situation turns, you know, animus between the, uh, the clubs in, in the know, in the gated community. Um, but, by the end of this decade, 2030, the European Super League will exist. It's frightening. I believe you. I, I, th- I think you're right. I, th- I think by the end of the decade, it, it will exist. I don't think, you know, uh, I, I think it'll go to court. I don't know if, if well, let me, let me rephrase. I think unless somebody just pays Florentino Perez some gosh dang money, um, which is entirely possible. I mean, they could, you know, make this cut a deal with UEFA. A lot of people thought that that's just what this was, was a way to get more money out of the Champions League, which it still could be. Um, and we'll talk, we'll talk, I don't want to get into the new Champions League format yet. We've, we've still got a lot of the Premier League left to play, but, but, uh, you know, I think that that's entirely possible that, that there will still be a, a increase in payment from UEFA or, or something that, that will happen along those lines. Um, I, I was pretty sure, I mean, JP Morgan issued a, an apology for their for their part, however, that doesn't mean that they've withdrawn their money. Of course, as, as, as you pointed uh, out, I mean, this is the same J.P. Morgan that, at the end of the 2008 banking crisis, also still got bailed out. So, yeah. her apologies really don't mean anything. Yeah, but I th- I agree. I, I, it's it's not over. Um, this is something I think that's going to continue to affect football. 
um, sadly. And yeah, I mean, who knows, who knows what it's going to look like. One last point um, before we, we get into uh, some English football and some Premier League. Um, I, I'm convinced that had, had, had this been handled differently, See, there's two problems here. One is that it was a bad idea. Now, in this industry, um, having a bad idea isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, there's been a lot of bad ideas in football. I mean, over the, the four four two still exists. That was not a bad idea. <laughs> that was I, no. That was not a bad idea. How dare you? This is an English football podcast. You cannot talk bad. About the four four two, but uh, there have been bad ideas in the game, um, but the problem was wasn't just that this was a bad idea. It was a bad idea that was communicated poorly, and that was that was evident by a week of managers coming out in their pregame press conferences and basically saying, "Yeah, I don't really like this." This is not this is not good. Um, you know, Jurgen Klopp basically coming out and saying, "Look, it's, it's it just isn't football. This isn't. I don't like it. I don't like the idea." Um, you know, he and he had talked about it before. Someone had asked him about it, and he had said he didn't like the Super League idea. You know, Pep Guardiola coming out and saying, "You know, if it's not competitive, it's not football. You know, this this is this is wrong." Um, Jose unfortunately didn't really have time much time to say anything about it. He was sacked. More on that in a minute. Um, you know, but Oleg basically coming out and saying the same thing. I mean, you just you basically had uh, the football people, as I said before, in England rejecting this and saying it was bad. But it just blows my mind as somebody who works in communications that nobody told them this was coming. Nobody, not, no owner, no manager, no no uh, or, or, uh, general manager or, or, or football director, nobody told the managers that this was coming until it was announced. I mean, Manchester United finished their game against Burnley last week, and in the middle of that game, this, this rumor started, and following the game, Ola and the players got asked about it. They didn't know what to say. They had nothing, because no one had told them this was coming down the line. No one had mentioned it. And that, I mean... That is just that just blows my mind, and it really makes you wonder what exactly they were trying to do with the, with this whole thing. I mean, why why wouldn't you tell the most important, arguably the most important stakeholders, the players and the manager? Why wouldn't you tell them? Hold on, wait a minute. So you're telling me at least Paul Pogba did not know. <laughs> Paul, Paul Pogba did not know. Client of. Mina Riola, you know, super agent de jour across Europe, did not he did not know. He may have known. But but the the point is it you, they it's very clear they didn't consult the players or the managers. They certainly didn't consult the fans. Um by the way, huge shout out as a United fan. I want to give a huge shout out to the Chelsea fans who protested during the middle of the week, to the Liverpool fans who protested to the city fans who have protested, um, and then of course the Manchester United fans were out in force and, and protested. Didn't see a whole lot from City. Also, didn't see a whole lot from Spurs. Um, but but yeah, just just fantastic to see 
real fans coming out and saying we don't like this, even though they know that the difference between having this and not having this could be their teams playing big teams. It's very clear everybody understands. Everybody who loves football understands why the Super League is a bad idea. So big shout out to them. Any last words, Jordan, on the Super uh, League? I was actually looking. Uh, I was actually looking forward to the Super League. Were you? Because <laughs> that, as soon as that went into place, uh, the FA was going to basically excommunicate yeah. the heretical clubs, yeah. the Big Six, yeah. and Newcastle United would be at the top where we belong. How way the lads? <laughs> um, you may still get your wish. Uh, now it'd be bittersweet yeah. since. Surprisingly enough, the the charge to back out of this botched disaster was led by Roman Abramovich and the uh, Emirati government. To, yes, that's you know, true. Notor- notoriously, you know, that's, sorry, honest and above board, uh, above board, you know, uh, people and groups of people. That, that's another thing. Uh, they didn't even tell all the clubs. How do you set up a super league and not even tell? everybody gets on the train and the train starts going and then you turn to PSG you're like oh yeah hey why don't you hop on you the the Super League doesn't tell the one team you would call a super team golly alright tell you what onto the football let's 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 get onto some, yes. some, real, some real football here so uh, and we're gonna start with uh, it's Sunday when we're recording this so we're gonna start with uh, arguably the most important game today, or at least the most important result. Manchester City won, Tottenham nil in the League Cup final at Wembley in front of 8,000 fans. They were loud. Um, it was on ESPN+. Plus. If you got that, you can go back and watch it. I encourage you if you didn't. Um, City came out to serve winners. Their fourth straight League Cup triumph. Um, uh, the winner was scored by uh, Americ Laporte. He put in a uh, Kevin De Bruyne corner kick, just a nice, sweet little header um, into the far right corner. Although he arguably, Americ Laporte, should have been sent off in the first half for two yellow cards. He got one yellow. The earlier one that he didn't get definitely should have been given. So make it that what you will. But it was a result-deserved city boss possession. Um, they, have a total, they got off a total of 21 shots. They win trophy number one of a three that remained possible for them this season. Um, the treble's still alive. Well... Yeah, let's let's call it. Let's, we could call it a treble light. It's 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 a treble light because they're they're not going to win the FA Cup. That's the real treble. Um, I think the real story here, though, is is unfortunately for City. I think the real the real story here is is Spurs, and the reason is because Jose Mourinho wasn't on the touchline. Of course, he got he was sacked on Monday. It was which I I thought was kind of comical because it was sort of right in the middle of all this the Super League stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and Daniel Levy was like, oh yeah, by the way, Jose Mourinho sacked. Um, by the way, quick story, and and I heard this on Talk Sports, so make of this what you will. But basically, um, Mourinho was going to play a weaker side in Spurs' game against Southampton last Wednesday, which they did end up winning two one. Um, but Levy basically said, uh, no, you're not. We got Champions League to chase down. And Mourinho re- replied essentially, "Well, this is why Spurs never win cups, and that's why he got sacked." So, so some tension between between owner and manager, which yeah, I know some tension with Mourinho. Uh, let, where did it all go wrong for Jose? Let's let's start with that, Jordan. Oh wow, where did it go wrong, <laughs> Jose Mourinho? 
uh, let's just say the fact that his tactics uh, tactics are still stuck in 2006 Chelsea. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of this uh, that that the game's kind of passed the him. Game, the game has clearly passed him by, even with the likes of the the goal scoring machine Harry Kane and hmm. the eternally young uh, South Korean human song, and honestly, a very competitive side with Dombele. Um, I mean, Los Celso. Yeah, yeah. There, there are plenty of attacking, creative players in the Tottenham squad, and yet they do none of it. So, one of the things that I remember the- someone explained um, Mourinho's tactics to me, and that is that he doesn't like he doesn't like what you would consider. I think you would call them Hollywood passes. In other words, this you know. From from within your own half, over the top, in the air, to somebody running on the far side. He doesn't like that. He likes the attacking passes to be on the ground. He likes them to be through. He doesn't really enjoy the the acrobatics, if you will. And to some extent, statistically, it may not be pretty, but that does kind of make sense because a ball in the air is much less... You're much less likely to be able to control that and to use it rather than a ball on the ground or a through ball. Um, I don't know. I, I agree that the game has passed him. I don't know that it has passed him in the sense of I, his tactics don't work anymore. I think the problem is communicating those tactics to today's players and getting them to play like that. That's past him. I think the players of today just don't, I don't think they mesh with that kind of idea. It's it's more of like like I said the Hollywood passes and the Hollywood moments and that's fine I get that um, you know it's just it's kind of what it is I, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but I I think he I think he struggles to communicate to those players this is how we play I think that's why you see Deli Alley struggling so much I don't think he he gets that you know he he's he's not the type who's going to play this ball on the ground or play simple he wants he wants the flair. And the fans want the flair from someone like Deli Alley. But arguably, I I think one of the best signings has been Pierre-Emil Hodgeberg by Spurs from Southampton. He's been wonderful this season, I think. Uh, and he's that type of player. He's that type of player who plays who can play simple, who can be sort of the rough guy in the middle of the pitch and and make those tackles and, and play easy and simple and sort of control things, which Mourinho likes. And I think he's done quite well this season. No, uh, you are right. Pierre Mill Hoiberg from Southampton, uh, which shout out to myself because I scouted him in uh, a <laughs> long time ago. Yeah, so you've known him. I knew what he was going to be. He is a, a metronome. Yeah. He yes. keeps the team. He, he, he's everything. Granite Jacka. Speaking of Arsenal, the next should be, but is not. Yeah. So, so let's. So, so I, I think we agree. The game's kind of passed Jose Mourinho. So, so what's? I mean, what do we see as next for him? He's, I think he's been linked with the Celtic job, um, which pretty huge for Scottish football, but maybe not all for the right reasons. Um, but honestly, I, I, I definitely don't think he'll be back in the Premier League. Uh, I think that door is closed. Yeah. I think. Maybe a uh, a team like Portugal 
might come calling. Um, so that international management, I think he could, I think I yeah. think he could do well with that because he doesn't have to communicate with players every day. <laughs> no, uh, I'd also like to see him in MLS. Now, okay, I, yeah, I, I enjoy him and Diego Simeone to differing degrees have you know learned and excelled at the dark arts of managing and I hate to see managers and coaches like that leave the game you don't want to see you you like you like the uh you like the rough and tumble I like I like the shithousery <laughs> I like the I like the 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 quips at a press conference I like it all it makes the game much more entertaining. So if Jose wants to come over, um, come on, I'd give him a shot at FC Dallas. It'd at least be an entertaining interview. I don't know about that. I don't think he'd come to FC Dallas. Um, I could see, depending on how Inter Miami season goes, I could see him turning up there. I could see it, that seems like that seems like a place for him. They're 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 into the shenanigans. He's into the shenanigans. It's a match made in heaven. I mean, maybe not have. He did win a trouble with Inter before, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the difference between Internazionale Milan and Inter Miami? Oh, well, how long have you got? But no, I, I agree. Actually, there was, and I think he may have been Inter manager at this point, or he may have been Real Madrid manager. It was back during during the Mourinho heyday, and someone asked him about MLS. It may have been an American journalist when they were on tour over here, and he did say that he did he he was you know he was open when he when he reached that stage of his career, which I think is now. He was he would be open to to coming to MLS, so that's not that's not an outrageous shout there, Jordan. He's he has talked about it before, and so I, I mean I think that would be a, a good landing place for him. Let's talk about Ryan Mason real quick. Twenty nine years old. Um, if you don't know the story, Ryan Mason he was a spur, uh, Tottenham Hotspur midfielder. Suffered a horrific um, head injury uh, in a challenge with uh, Gary Cahill, who was playing for Chelsea at the time. Was that, I want to say, 2017? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. quick note, Ryan Mason, uh, in my early following of the Premier League, Premier League you know, I, I enjoyed him. Yeah, no, he was a good player. Promise, you know, uh, coming up through 2012, through, uh, 2015 with Tottenham, goes... On to move to Hull. He was on loan. That's, that's where he has his injury. Yes, yes. Sorry. So he wasn't playing for Tottenham Hotspur at the time. Thank you. He was. He was at Hull, um, and, and and suffers the injury. Tries to make a comeback. Doesn't quite do it. The manager at the time. Um, at, he has to retire. The manager at the time, um, Mauricio Pochettino, gives him a coaching job and sort of brings him on the Spurs' coaching staff at the age of twenty-seven. Um, and he was named interim manager in the wake of Mourinho sacking. Got off to a winning start, 2-1, come from behind win against uh, Southampton on Wednesday of this past week. Um, there's five league, five league games remaining. Spurs are five points off of Chelsea in fourth. Um, obviously, I think as good of a story as it is, I don't think Ryan Mason is going to continue as manager past this season. I just don't think he can. He doesn't have the experience. Um you know, I thought he lined up the side as well as he could today in the League Cup final, and they got battered. I mean, City just kept coming at them and coming at them. It was a surprise. Well, it wasn't a big surprise, but it, it when you watch the game, it was a little bit weird that Ch- that City hadn't scored by halftime. I mean, they were just peppering the Spurs goal. 
Um, but it shouldn't be so surprising because they don't play with a natural striker. But anyways, so obviously Spurs are going to look for a new manager. What What was that? Uh, I was going to say, and more to the point, there could only be one good-looking uh, English uh, manager in London at one time, and that's currently owned by Scott I was about to say, that's, that's Scott Parker's role. Yeah, yeah, he can't. There can only be one. He's 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 the he's got the sweater shirt combo going. He's 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 looking good out there. So I mean, if if you're Dan Levy, and you're looking past the uh, the people telling you to go and leave because you're scum, and you're looking at the next Spurs manager, who are you looking at? I know it's a tough there's question. Only, there there's only one answer and one answer alone really? for me. If you're Spurs and you want to kick on, and you know get out of the perpetual perpetual rat race that is uh fourth, fifth, sixth position in the in the in the Premier League table. It's Julian Nagelman. Now for for those of for for listeners who aren't particularly Bundesliga savvy, explain Julian Nagelman. So Julian Nagelman was, I believe two years ago, the Bayern München number two uh, manager, he, uh, he yes. uh, basically in charge of their youth development. Um, RB Leipzig uh, came calling. Uh, obviously, he wasn't quite ready for the Bayern job. Uh, he probably is right. now. That's sure. Uh, and in the past couple of years, with you know Emil Fosberg, um, uh. Holler, uh, he's turned Red Bull Leipzig, RB Leipzig, into a challenger for the top of the Bundesliga, which of course is a feat within itself since that club did not exist as it's currently known uh, right. a decade ago. Right. So here's, here's the issue, though, with Nagelman. So Hansi Flick is going to leave... Bayern Munich in the summer. He's the current Bayern Munich manager. Um, and Nagelman supposedly is... I mean, they've already started discussions about bringing him in for Bayern Munich. Now, if you're Nagelman, you can go to Bayern Munich and probably win another German league title. Um, or you can go to Spurs. <laughs> where, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Bayern Munich. So this is what I'm saying when it's it's a tough question to answer for Spurs because I don't know who's available right now that they would that they would bring in and and that I, I just don't know the person who you could bring in who would match the the ambition that Levy has for this club. I just don't see it. I, I don't know who that would be. Because Nagelman's gonna, Nagelman's going to go to RB Leipzig. It's going to be an interesting few few uh, few weeks. Actually, I guess it's almost May. So I mean, you got to get this figured out. I imagine you would want to get the management position for Spurs figured out before the Euros. The summer win, yeah, or or and the summer window opens. Yeah, I mean, you, well, well before then, because you would want to. He, he's going to yeah. want to line up targets. So they've got a few Wait. weeks here to figure this out. And the person who would, I agree with you, Jordan, would be the number one target. Nagelman, he's taken. So I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting watching. 
that's going to be an interesting development over these next few weeks that, that we're going to watch. Um, let's get into the Premier League here. It's a Premier League podcast. We've spent 50 minutes talking about everything except the Premier League. Um, let's go back to Friday real quick. So um, Friday night's game, Everton won, Arsenal nil. Um, a burned Leno howler. I mean, that was it was bad. Um, let's Everton off the hook in a match that Arsenal looked as if they might win. Keeping in mind, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was still out with malaria. Man, that's a rough go. And Alexander Lacazette also out with a hamstring. It was Eddie Nketiah who was leading the line. Um, Arsenal, they're well off the pace for the Champions League. Unless, of course, they can win the Europa League. Like one of their semifinal is against Villarreal on Thursday in Spain. I feel like Arsenal are on a precipice with Arteta right now. This could go either way. For sure. Uh, if Arteta kicks on, uh, you know, if they, if they stay strong within the league through the rest of the season and, you know, they make it to Europa, Europa league final, he'll probably keep his job, but this is what year three in charge of, uh, Arsenal. Uh, I, so I gotta correct you there. It's not. Well, th- so he would be. So this is his first full season in charge, right now. Okay. I I know the coronavirus felt like ten years, but it wasn't. Um, okay. So so this is his first full year in charge. This next year would be a second full year in in full season in charge. I think he took over. I want to say it was before Christmas. I could be wrong on that, but um, oh, which is also interesting. Um, Arsenal are playing Villarreal in like one of the semifinal on Thursday. Guess who's in the Villarreal dugout? No clue, Adam. You're going to have to help me oh, on this. For one, real? But, it's the uh, man he replaced, Unai Emery. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I was, I was going to, sorry, I completely blanked on the Unai Emery uh, experience at Arsenal. I was thinking of, I was like, they drug Wenger out of his chateau in France. It was, it was like, a, it away. was a bit like a fever dream, wasn't it, Emery? <laughs> at yeah. Arsenal. Uh, they got. I was like, they got uh, Arsene Wenger out of his chateau, uh, away from his wine and art. <laughs> no, he's still quite comfortable. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, and it's tough right now because, as I said, they've got some injury issues up top. Um, you know, when you, I feel like when you don't have that out and out striker, that's that's somebody who's accustomed to being at the front of your attack. It's 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 going to hurt because I think the other areas of this Arsenal team i.e. the midfield, um, to some extent defensively. I, I think they're just not quite good enough, and so they can't rely on their, any any sort of pressure up top to to keep that going and to, to make it count because, as I said, Arsenal, I mean, they looked like they were going to win this game until Richarlison snuck in and, and you know, what, what's the hockey term? Five-hole? Is that where you put it between? Uh, the, okay, yes, yeah, yes, just, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I was going to say he nutmegged them because... Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty does a clear gaff uh, by uh, Leno at the at the near post? Um, yeah. What also is not helping Arsenal at this exact moment is the fact that their best players on the pitch right now are sub twenty three. That's true. Emil Smith Rowe, Saka, um, all these kids are playing big, right? Oh, big games, yeah. but. There's just a lack of consistency. Which you get with young players, yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. And and the expectation is that they're going to press on and challenge. Um, I mean, they are well off the pace of the Champions League. I think they're 12 points back. Um, so, I mean, basically, it's all in for the Europa League. I mean, they have to win the Europa League to get into the Champions League next season. And it's a really competitive field. I mean, you've got Villarreal, um, you've got Roma and Manchester United are, who are in the other semifinal. So, I mean, there's really no guarantee of that. And if you don't make the Champions League, I mean, I, I, I think they need to stick with Arteta. I do. But a lot of questions are going to be asked if they get to the end of the season. There's no Champions League, and they're in ninth or tenth. I mean, you're going to be really wondering what exactly are we doing, especially after a whole week of of them being sort of put in the spotlight as a Super League club. You know, a Super League club doesn't finish tenth or ninth. So, unless you're Arsenal or right, yeah. Even Tottenham, they're just, they're they're still ahead. And even Tottenham, who's gone through the whole Mourinho saga in like I don't know, sped up three times. Um, anyways, uh, on to the next one. Do you like this, Jordan? Liverpool uh, won. Hold on. Oh, go on. One point. I was going to say whatever happens at the end of the season, Arsenal TV Arsenal on YouTube fan TV, TV. Will, will be a great uh, subscription. <laughs> And uh, and watch. Those are some piping hot comments. Oh man! If you like hot takes, that's that is the that's the channel for you. On to the next one. Uh, Liverpool won. Newcastle won. Liverpool's chance to make up ground on the leaders in the race of the Champions League is dashed by the man who it's clear by now has taken some of that icy water from the from the River Tyne and pumped it into his veins, Mister Joe Willock. It is the second. Stoppage time winner that he has scored in as many weeks. Also, I believe I heard this correctly. It is the latest goal that Liverpool have conceded at Anfield. Um, Mr. Toon, who's on the other line, give me your thoughts on Joe Willock. Uh, honestly, I was underwhelmed when he signed on loan from Arsenal. I kind of thought we got the bad end of the, that deal. We got the lesser talent. But by God, that kid has scored big goals in big moments. Uh, that should have been a that should have been a winning goal because Callum Wilson was brought down in the box. Yeah. You so know, uh, go over this incident. Our, real quick. This won't be the only VAR thing we talk about this week, but go over that incident real quick. Ball comes in. Callum Wilson do, doing what Callum Wilson does, making a timely run to the box and gets an, basically a hand to the face, right into the box, and. No penalty, no card, no foul. That is Liverpool home cooking <laughs> in its finest. Well, and, straight out, straight out of, straight out of the bin of that, uh, straight out of the bin. That is some definite home cooking. Let's we'll, let's talk about the next game is West Ham Chelsea. We can talk about VAR all we want. I, I, I there's one more question I, I want to ask you before we move on to the next game. So, um. Newcastle had some really, really big results. There was a 3-2 win against West Ham. Arguably shouldn't have gotten to that point where they needed to score a late winner, but whatever. Um, you know, they, they, I mean, because I, I watched that West Ham game, and they kept going, they kept pressing. Uh, well, they kept they kept pressing ahead. You know, they didn't really let their heads get down even after uh, the Hammers had come back. And then, of course, you get to this game. You're at Anfield. It's a tough place to play, even without fans. You're up against the champions. They go a goal down. They even get what should have been a, a stone-cold chance for a goal 
taken away from them. And yet they still have the gumption, love that word, to find such a late winner. Is this, I mean, this looks like a motivated team, Newcastle. Which we haven't seen. It is a motivated Yeah. It is a motivated team, but it's not motivated by the manager, which is the primary problem. Well, then by what? I mean, who, who, I mean, he's, he's the guy who's in there, you know, talking to him. Yes, he's the he's the guy in there who's talking to him, who also gets in a training pitch dust up with Matt Ritchie. Right, I know he may uh, have some unorthodox tactics, <laughs> but he's still uh, they're motivated by something. It's 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 the players like Matt Ritchie, uh, Miguel Almiron, uh, Alan Saint Maxim, or as I call him, Gucci Headband, right. uh, and to an extent, Joe Ellington. They have gotten out of what I would call the, 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 the Steve Bruce malaise and have really poor, uh, really put forth a concerted effort over the past couple of weeks in spite of the tactics. Uh, harking back to the West Ham, uh, the West Ham match, how do you let West Ham possess more of the ball in the second half when they're chasing two goals and are a man down? That's a fair how? point. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Howard, let me just – can I just – real quick, can I just put out this 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 theory to you? Newcastle, struggling for motivation, having issues, sliding toward the relegation zone. Steve Bruce decides to pick a fit, to, to pick a fight with Matt Ritchie in the, training, in, the, in the training ground. There's a bust up. Everybody learns about it. They move on from it. Suddenly, the Newcastle players are motivated, even if it is in hatred towards Steve Bruce – which it could very well be, is that still not good management? <laughs> you got them. You got them motivated. <laughs> In the short term, yes. If you're if 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 you're Mike Ashley, Steve Bruce, uh, John Carr, uh, if you're if all you're concerned about is staying in the Premier League and keeping that sweet sweet Premier League paycheck, then. Yes, that is good management. <laughs> now, if you ever want to kick on from that and maybe climb up the table, that's going to not work out in the long run. We can talk a little bit more about that closer to the summer. Um, right, so let, let's let's move on to some, some VAR anger. West Ham nil, Chelsea won. Now, that result probably doesn't change no matter what happens with, with, with VAR. Um, I thought it was a deserved win for Chelsea, um, but... It should have been considered a good, hard-fought, scrappy win by Chelsea. Um, Timo Werner uh, got a goal. Um, just <laughs> it, was, it was weird on the commentary on, on NBC Sports. It was just his sixth goal. Um, but he's got like a, a decent handful of assists. Um, let's talk about this in a minute. Anyways, so uh, what should have been considered just a scrappy win for Chelsea was marred by... Another candidate, and what I think might be the leading candidate for the worst act of VAR in history. Let me set the scene. Fabian Balbuena, uh, center back for West Ham. He's playing on the right side. The, the ball's passed over to him, and he's clearing the ball out. You know, just getting just get, get it out of the back line like a good center back does. Getting it down the field. Ben Chilwell closes him down to try and, you know, Put, put him under some pressure. He kicks the ball, goes past Chilwell, doesn't hit him, and he steps down where any normal defender would step his leg down. 
And it just so happened that Ben Chilwell's leg was also there. And he, he made contact. Now, at the time, the referee, Chris Cavanaugh, doesn't call anything. He, he didn't call anything, which was correct. Later, during a stoppage, VAR says, hey, we want to go back and see if there was serious foul play. They watch it for ages. Then they send Chris Cavanaugh over to the monitor. Chris Cavanaugh look, looks at it in slow motion, comes back over, gives him a red card. The worst decision I have ever seen, and we've seen some doozies from VAR this season. I mean, it's been it's been bad. I mean, you could you could make an entire list out of just the offside calls that have been bad. I mean, this can't continue, right? No, it it can't. Uh, if he was to make a you know a a good play in the you know sense of the rules. Um, was Valbuena supposed to like hyperextend yeah. his leg <laughs> I don't know. and like take a take a tumble? Because there was clearly like no malice. This no. wasn't you know uh, uh, this wasn't a Stoke City challenge. Um, now, I will say as a as someone who has played a lot of youth football and then who has also played some some adult recreational league football, there are definitely opportunities where. You know, you can leave a foot in, or you can try and make something look natural when, in fact, you are just trying to hit the guy. Um, it's not easy, but it is easier than it looks. And you can definitely done it. I've done it. This was not that. He's just trying to clear his lines. And he's not... Like you said, there was no malice in it. And I, I really don't understand. What I want to know, and, and what we won't get the answer to, is why... Who made the decision that it should have been called back? Who made the decision that that he should have taken a look at that? Because if I'm the referee, at the moment that somebody says, hey, you might want to take a look at this, suddenly, in my mind, it's, oh, well, I've obviously missed something here, so I need to go back and correct it. Because that's what VAR is there to do. VAR is not there to call fouls, as it were. It's there to make the referee aware of incidents where it's clear that he has missed something bad. And this was not a clear and obvious error. No, in, in no universe is this a clear and obvious error. And I just, I don't understand why it was called back in the first place. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It makes me upset. It almost makes I, me more upset than the Super League, to be honest. I have no idea what they're thinking up in that uh, VAR replay booth. Uh, it's almost like they consider the sin of omission to be worse than the sin of commission. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, in 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 legislating the game, uh, in a, in a way to where everything has to be you know millimeter perfect. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's never, it's uh, never been that way. It's never been that way. You're taking the you're, you're taking the joy out of it. You're taking yeah. the, the oh, yeah. spontaneity, the joy out of the game. And listen, um, yeah, go on. Offside, off, offsides is not there to legislate whether or not the the last defender was an inch an inch ahead of the player. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. You know, they say American football is a game of inches, uh, but VAR has literally turned the English Premier League into a game of inches. Or, or centimeters. It's, it, it's centimeters. Centimeters. Yeah, it's the whole metric thing. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Uh, and that's not the game... I've come to love yeah, and watch. Yeah. So we'll, we can talk more about VAR and the future of it and what needs to happen uh, and later. 
Um, now on to everybody's what what had to have been everybody's just oh, this, this is a game that you want to write home about and just tell everybody about. Leeds nil, Manchester United nil. <laughs> um, obviously not a whole lot. <clears throat> obviously not, not. What a what a bar oh, burner! Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, not a whole lot to write home about um, from Ellen Road. Um, it was clear that that Ola and, and Manchester United were were. I mean, they've got an eye on on this the Europa League semifinal against Roma in the middle of the week. Edinson Cavani doesn't start; he plays about five minutes. Um, Rashford didn't play the whole game, so I mean, it, it's it was clear that that they had that in mind. Still, I mean, you you had, and I wouldn't say they they peppered the Leeds goal, but Manchester United, Manchester United controlled most of the game, and just weren't able to produce anything. One thing that did upset me, though, and, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, with Timo Werner, Dan James got a lot of hate on Twitter. And because, you know, he, he I mean, I guess people feel like he's not good enough in the attack or he doesn't do, and I, yeah, I'll admit he's he's not the best option that we have right now or that we that we could have. But, I don't know. I always go back to some huge fan of Seinfeld and there's this episode where Jerry has bought his parents one of those like old, old time, like pocket organizer things where you punch a bunch, punch a bunch of buttons and it does things for you, like keep numbers and, and you know, basically does all this sort of stuff. And his father just keeps using it to calculate the tip when they're out at a restaurant. And so he keeps calling it his tip calculator. And the joke is that Jerry keeps saying it does other things. It's not just a tip calculator. That's what I would say about Dan James and Timo Werner. It does other things. People forget back uh, when Manchester United just absolutely thrashed Leeds this season. That was one of Dan James. I mean, it's a really good game for Dan James. And he's out there because they don't want to face the counterattack from Leeds. They don't want to get caught out. And he's the only player out there who's pacey enough to really make that count. I mean, he goes out there and he takes up the space. He takes advantage. I mean... So yeah, maybe it wasn't his best game, but he was out there because that's what he does. You know, they were using his speed, they were using um, his his ability on that side to manage the game for United. So that's why he was there. So it doesn't really take a rocket scientist to figure out why he started. He's not going to score every single time he's down the pitch. Maybe that's what you want. Okay, that's fine. But I just thought the heart, the 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 vitriol from from fans was a little bit much on social media for Dan James. He wasn't the only one who didn't. Uh, who didn't quite perform up to the standards today? I thought Bruno wasn't wasn't all that great. Um, you know, it's nil nil. It's not it's not a great result, but it's also not terrible. You know, we're we're still ahead. Leicester play tomorrow, so. Anyways, um, um uh, I have one go thought. For it. Uh, I just I just find it kind of ironic that in uh, Daniel James, a player who transferred in for thirty million pounds. Thanks a lot, by the way. Would have loved to see him in the black and white. Um, Gets more stick than, say, someone who came in for about 100 million pounds. Well, Pogba didn't start. Yeah, but understandably so. You paid paid what you got him for. Yeah. He's not going to be Ryan Giggs. Interestingly enough, Ryan Uh, Giggs apparently recommended him and said, yeah, we need to sign him. So. He's Daniel James, uh, and you pay what you get yeah, for. Exactly. So, and he's only what twenty two, right? Uh, he's a he's a kid. Uh, you're gonna make me look now. 
Yeah, 23. Yeah, you're right. So he's still, he's still young, still a young guy, still kind of getting his legs under him. Um, just to kind of finish this off, let's, let's rattle off some more results. Um, Sheffield United won Brighton nil. Sheffield United, with that victory, changes absolutely nothing. They're still bottom of the table. Um, however, Brighton are in a slightly worse position now. They are only seven points away from Fulham, which I know is still a pretty big amount. Uh, Fulham are in 18th. Um, and they're both they're, they're both on even games, so they both played 33 games. Uh, both have, have five games remaining. One of Fulham's remaining matches is, of course, against uh, Newcastle. That's on the final day. Apparently, they also play us. Uh, it's the uh, the the the, the, the I call yes. it the Caleb Slinker. Dark. Right, and I hope we will have Caleb on on this podcast. Caleb is, is a friend of ours. Um, he's a friend of mine from college. He, he's met Jordan through me. Uh, he is a Fulham fan. And so yeah, he's he's kind of he's having a rough time at the moment. But so yeah, so Manchester, we both we both see him before the end of the season. Manchester United play him play Fulham on the the fifteenth, and uh, Newcastle on the twenty third, which is the final day. So a little bit of intrigue there. Brighton not exactly out of the woods yet. Um, uh, let's see another result we didn't we didn't quite get to. Aston Villa two, West Brom two. Um, story of this game is definitely who scored the winner. Keenan Davis, first goal in the Premier League, and it's an equalizer against uh, their West Midlands rival. So, well done to Keenan. Um, as I mentioned, Leicester City, they play tomorrow. On Monday, they play against Crystal Palace at 2 o'clock on Peacock. Uh, and yeah, that's that was your weekend. Well, hold on. We're not going to mention the 4-0 oh, uh, win by Burnley. Oh, I totally forgot. You were correct. The Chris Wood hat trick. Yes, I totally forgot this. Burnley 4. It happened earlier this morning, which is why I forgot about it. Um, Burnley 4, Wolves 0. That's a big That's a big result. I mean, that's, that's, that's actually pretty huge. Yes, hat trick for Chris Wood. Um, actually, a first half hat trick for Chris Wood. Some beautiful play by Burnley in lead up to those goals. Very unburnley esque, very unshawn Dyche. Um, How dare you? You know, flu- fl- fluid movement forward. The second goal, you know, pitcher per- pitcher perfect low cross across the uh, low cross uh, into the box and then easy tap it. I love Sean Dyche. Um, Ashley Westwood scored Burnley's fourth as they put a cap on that. Uh, that takes them up. But this game was not. That, t- that took them up nine points. That, that's this is a big win because it was nine, yeah. nine, another nine points clear of the relegation zone, which is which is pretty good. Wolves, um, Wolves still in twelfth on forty one points. What were you going to say? Uh, this game was also not without some controversy, as there was a dust up uh, in the uh, stoppage time of the first half. Um, a Wolves player went down in the box. Um, in the in the in the Burnley box and was there for quite a while, and they came, they came back from um, you know the stoppage of play and a couple of Burnley players started trying to pull this guy up, which replay showed that it was just a hard fall to the ground. He was trying to you know trying to get on uh, on a header and uh, just you know didn't get it, and um, yeah, big dust up. Uh, uh, who did? Adama Traore push in the shove in the face. Um, I am going to guess. Oh, who's this? James Tarkovsky. No, it was not Tarkovsky. Oh, okay. Been me. 
I'm just I was just guessing it was one of the one of the two. Uh, no, Cinemax. it wasn't even a super okay. bat. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was actually not two of the players who could probably match up inside <laughs> to Damatore. It was no, it was James Court. Okay. <laughs> that seems a bit. No, no offense to Mr. Cork, but that does seem like a bit of an outmatched fight. <laughs> yes, if if Adama Traore of Wolves came up to me, I would... And pushed you in the face. I think... Yeah, I think I would just curl up in a ball in, a, in the fetal position and just, like, hold on for dear life because uh, he is a machine. Yeah. So, uh, it, this, it, it's running a bit long. I figured the first podcast would run a bit long. Um but yeah, that's that's our first show, and and one thing I will promise you right now, it's only going to get better from here. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about this. I think this is going to be fun. That's that's, that's really that's what this is about. It's just fun, um, and you know, just just having a laugh and and just talking about the Premier League, and and hopefully building a community, um, you know, around this podcast. That's 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 my hope, um, is that we get some people to come along with us. I was just going to say that, you know, the the outrage expressed by the fans, the uh, the players, the managers, um, basically everyone in a non-directorial position at each club um, was a positive sign. Yeah. Uh, you know, being, being an American um, and, you know, being a lifelong sports fan over here, it's – much more of a business over here. Whereas, yeah. you know, part of the reason why I love the game so much um, is the, you know, the magic, the grassroots aspect, the, um, you know, the idea of, you know, kicking, kicking the ball on the street next to it, next to a stadium. And one day, you know, playing there, uh, the FA cup and uh Yeah. I just don't don't ruin my game. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, and like like you said, it's it's there's a system over here that works in America, and it's just it's the way we do things over here, and there's nothing wrong with it um, to have it over here. But the, that was the problem, I think, is that I think a lot of people saw them as trying to set up the system that we have here over there, and you just you can't you can't do that. It's it's not. You you lose a lot of people when you try and do that, as was evident by by the fan protests and and as we said as we said at the beginning of this this whole Super League thing, I feel like it's not over. And you know I'll say right now, if it continues, and if this if 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 this continues to go forward or if this comes up, you know, or, or maybe even if it doesn't, and this is just it. But even if this is just it. I feel like for the first time since I I said this is the club that I love, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm a Manchester United fan anymore. I love the players, I love the manager, but I can't support this ownership, and I don't know what to do about that. I don't know where this is going to go. Um. You know, I'm not going to stop loving football, and I'll always love the Premier League. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it, what what it's going to do. I will tell you that if if I do get to a point where I feel like I'm going to go on a search for a new club, we'll talk about it here. 
and we can go over the saga here because I feel like that's kind of an interesting thing. However, I'm not going to waffle on that. If if we go, if I go down that road, I'm going down that road. If I'm not, I won't, and I'll just stick with Manchester United. Um, but yeah, so I, I I don't know. It's it's kind of an interesting time. I don't feel like I'm alone in that. I feel like there are a lot of people who feel the way that I do. So so yeah, but there is one thing that that will remain constant. And that is the love of the game. That's not going to die. I'll, I'll always love the game and I'll always love English football. I look forward to sharing that love with you, dear cousin. Let's go eat some pies, Adam. Yes. Yes, this was We Ate All the Pies. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week.